This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm great, Josh, and I'm glad that uh, Christian Eriksen, now a must-have in the UEFA Nations League game after his brace against Wales. The er- the uh, headline here on BBC Sports page says, Eriksen double condemns Wales to Nations League defeat. The wow. drama is tense. Yeah, I saw, I saw France went top in the UEFA Nations League table today, too. So it's a big day. I, I still don't understand what it means. Uh, it's just like a glorified friendly still, right? It's, it's all very confusing. Nevertheless, I'm sure within the next year or so, we're going we're gonna to do the full conversion. It'll be all UEFA Nations League fantasy from now on. No Premier League stuff. Um, we're going to go all in once, once every eight weeks or so. You're going to hear from us. Um, yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting. I haven't honestly watched a single minute of any of these matches. I've been a little checked out to the point where I, at, at, at some point over the break, I forgot that I was actually on my FPL wild card. Uh, <laughs> there was a, I was, I was at a bar with some friends after you and I met for brunch on Saturday, Josh, and this guy strolls in to the bar with his laptop and he's, he's watching the Spain England game. So I think he definitely has his eyes on some sort of automatic qualification for the next, uh, Euro cup. Yeah. I think that there's, there is nothing less exciting than the first round of friendlies after the world cup. Right. It's like we've just seen like the absolute like apex of international football. It's it's very exciting. Uh, I mean, it was a good World Cup, too, uh, which helps. And something it's like, oh, like back to we got four more years before like another, I guess, two years if you're really into Euros. But otherwise, it's like four more years. Like it's such a especially as a U.S. men's supporter, like. We, we don't even have a coach yet. Like, what? What was I? What, what am I watching <laughs> yeah. for? Like, the, half the team could be different, you know. 
So we've got notes here uh, to preview ahead of game week five. Notes on all 20 teams in the Premier League. I made some notes on some players who have been playing in the uh, the Nations League tournament. Mm-hmm. Also, Excellent. other friendlies around the world. So I guess we'll touch upon what some of our favorite players have been up to. We've not been entirely checked out. No, definitely not. And I actually have watched a fair number of friendlies um, just because I was I'm in day four of five of a of a solo parenting uh, trip. My wife's been away at a conference. And so it's been a, it's been a very intense five days. She was also starting a new daycare. So okay. uh, the upside of that was I was, uh, I was home for, you know, when, while she was napping, I was watching, uh, you know, I was watching the internet, the, whatever it is, the UFA nations cup and uh, not really enjoying myself, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> nevertheless, I was, I was plowing through. Better than watching Boss Baby for the 500th yeah, time, I that's imagine. exactly right. Uh, so, Brandon, uh, as, you, as you mentioned a second ago, we're going to uh, – we're, we're at the 10% mark of the season. Uh, thereabouts, I guess it's more like – what is it, like 11%. Uh, we're 438 of the way through the season. We thought we would take stock and just talk about what, what one or two things that we now think we know about each of the 20 teams – um, and, uh, I, I think we, you know, it's, it's, it's too early to draw conclusions in some cases. I mean, I'm thinking of like Newcastle here where they basically just had a run of terrible fixtures. And so I'm not sure we really can gauge them, but I think in, in a lot of cases, we, we have a lot of evidence to, to make some, you know, some decent, uh, you know, just early assessments uh, of mm-hmm. these teams. Uh, we're also going to look at their next, uh, four weeks of fixtures. Um, so we're going to look at this as a block. This is game weeks five through eight. Uh, after game week eight, there's a, there's a, uh, the second international break. Uh, so it's a good time to sort of think about like the next few blocks of matches. It's good if you're on a wild card, uh, or if you're, you know, just, I don't know, just anytime you make a transfer, you should be thinking three or four weeks ahead anyway. So, uh, it's good to, uh, take stock, but you mentioned it, Brandon, how is the wild card going? Yeah, it it stalled out a little bit. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I talked about this on last week's podcast where I am without Salah at the moment, and I opted to bring in Mane to save a little bit of money, and that freed up my midfield. I am de- I'm dedicating the next week to getting Salah back in my team. <laughs> it, the The level of discomfort just keeps ratcheting up as as mm-hmm. I look at my wild card without B- Big Mo. So Mo's coming back, and uh, there are really two decisions I have left to make on the wild card. Do I keep Ederson, or do I go to a 4-4-5 rotation with GKs? And do I sacrifice one of my premium fullbacks with Alonzo Robertson and Mendy? So if I'm able to actually get up the guts to say goodbye to one of those three heavy hitters in the back, then that'll be my ticket to get Salah. Back. But I'm, I'm really just having a hard time justifying it. As we discussed originally with my wild card, these uh, below 7 million fullbacks still present the greatest offensive threat uh, so far in FPL. Uh, right. So I'm, I'm struggling to figure out how how to keep them and not get rid of them. Yeah, it's tough. And, uh, you know, I... <laughs> I know. I, I still haven't played my wild card. I'm, I'm actually. I, I'm, I'm hoping like some injuries will happen. You know, in a few weeks, that'll make my decisions a little bit easier because it does feel like there's about 15 players you really want right now uh, yeah. in your squad and uh, 15 starters, I should say. Um, and yeah, very, very hard to squeeze them all in. I mean, it's kind of. I mean, and that's that's without even someone like Harry Kane, right? Who, um, yeah, it seems like virtually nobody seems to have in their team right now. Um, even though we all would kind of want him, we'll talk about him a little bit more in a second. Um, but yeah, I mean, this well, it, this was the week of Salah out, right? This is the week when everybody 
decided at once on, on the back of one blank, basically. Um, and, and some concerns about champions league that I think are slightly overstated, mm-hmm. um, that it was, uh, this is, this is the time to get rid of Salah and move to Hazard. I just, I'm not buying it. I'll tell you this about my wild card. Speaking of Hazard, he Hazard was one of the major uh, points for me triggering the wild card. Well, Chelsea was Alonzo and Hazard, and I feel like, um, I, I, mean, I mean, feel free to talk me out of this, but um, I want a big offensive weapon, and Hazard is that. So I kind of feel I don't want to end up playing my wild card and not come out of it with another offensive weapon in my arsenal. And I think I see right. Hazard as that. And I'm going to be pretty bummed if I end up not having him just so I can make way for Salah. So that's, I, I'm trying to keep Hazard in my plans and remember that he was one of the key reasons why I wanted to play my wild card going into game week five. Cause I'm not sure Hazard is going to be worth having if you yeah. miss this early form that he's in. I know. I mean, I wish I had Hazard too, even though, even though I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm like whatever the opposite of a rabbit's foot is. I feel like that's what I am for. I'm a two leaf clover or something uh, with Hazard. Like every time I bring him in, like he just completely like just falls apart and blanks for eight game weeks in a row or whatever. So Uh I, you know, I'm probably like, I have a little bit of historical bias here. I I get the appeal of Salah. I mean, he's cheaper. I mean, I get the appeal of Hazard. He's cheaper than, than Salah, but like what, like, uh, one point, but two million, right? They're around two million right now. Um, yeah, he's ten point seven, so 10. that's 7, two two point three million. Yeah. Right, right. So significantly cheaper. They don't play in the Champions League, and uh, the fixtures are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, those those are all really compelling reasons. Um, I mean, if I were on a wild card, I could see going for Hazard over Sadio Mane. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's because I have Mane at the start of the season. You know, he just he just crossed the ten million mark. Um, I really don't see a reason to, um, you know, to, to drop money. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, especially in the back of what he's done so far this season. And I guess, I mean, it just comes down to how worried you are about the champions league fixtures. And I'm just not, I, I just feel like they're going to prioritize the league over the champions league. And, you know, I mean, I, I guess we'll see. I mean, I, I think at worst you're only missing like one fixture for them. It's, it's, it's the same risk you run with, you know, with the man city midfield and forward line. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I, I come down in it. Yeah. Well, I will make a point to post my final wildcard team to the hail cheaters, Twitter feed at hail cheaters. If you are curious to take a look and for anyone who's a Patreon subscriber, I'll be, maybe I'll post some, some daily thoughts and updates on our Slack forums Ooh, so people can wow. follow along at home. What a, what a, what a tease that is. Uh, speaking of Slack and Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash always cheating is where you can support the podcast. Uh, we have two new producer level patrons this week, Brandon, big thanks to Max Chamberlain and a big thanks to Brian T. Uh, also a big thanks to our Mbakani level patrons who joined in the last week. Uh, Ole Christian Peterson, uh, Sarah Karat and Sarah, if I, if I mispronounce your first name, let us know and I will read it the correct way on the next week, next week's podcast, uh, Emil Taylor and Jim Farner. Thank you to uh, all six of you. And it's a good point to also say Jeremiah Johnson, who finished last season, 221 overall rank, amazing finish. Jeremiah is a Patreon member and, uh, I've dubbed him our, uh, sheriff of the always cheating slack forum. We actually did a special podcast with him just to celebrate his great finish from last season 
And it was really fun to talk with him. We're experiencing some technical difficulties with the audio file with Jeremiah. However, we do have some of that chat with Jeremiah at the end of this podcast. And if you know Jeremiah, if you're in his mini leagues, be be sure to stick around for the end of the episode where he does. Uh, I, I, he's not talking trash, Josh. Jeremiah is not one to talk trash. <laughs> no, uh, but he does. He does give a few shout outs to to some of his pals. So um, Jeremiah is a great guy, great manager. And it was really fun to actually meet him and talk with him. All right, Brandon, let's get right into the heart of the podcast. After this break, we're going to talk about one to three things we know about each of the Premier League clubs at the 10 percent mark of the season. I look forward to this break, Josh. <laughs> I did. All right, Brandon, we're back. Uh, a few things we've learned about all 20 clubs. Let's kick it off with Arsenal. Uh, I have a few notes here about Arsenal, Brandon. The first one is it's possible you can't own anyone on this team, at least for the time being. Uh, am I wrong? Is there <laughs> is there a player you really desperately... Okay, their fixtures are great, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll jump ahead to the fixtures here. Just looking at the next four... Newcastle away, Everton at home, Watford at home, Fulham away. You would expect goals in that team, right? Or in the, you know, from that team. But uh, where are they coming from? It's not totally clear to me. <laughs> well, let me put it to you this way. Like somebody says, uh, Josh, you would say to me, I hear Glasgow is great. And then I would say, yes, Josh, Glasgow is great. And I can tell you that, that it is because I've recently been there. Same with Arsenal. You say, I don't know if I can own anyone on Arsenal. Is that true? And I can say, yes, Josh, that is true, because I have owned many Arsenal players at the start of the season. Ozil, Mkhitaryan, just to name a few. Any Aubameyang owners out there would say the same thing. They, Mm. um, They had two rocky fixtures to start with City and Chelsea, but then they had two pretty easy ones to just clear the decks and and get ready for the new Emery regime. And we know even less about Arsenal than we did coming into the season. Ozil is a complete um, dead FPL asset right now. Aubameyang can't justify his 11 million price, so on and so forth. I do agree with you that I'm not sure you can really invest in Arsenal. Yeah, it's it's like I see like I see the potential for players in that team. Like I, there are players that I would like to invest in at some point. Like uh, Bird Leno is down to four point eight million. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do think at some point he's going to replace Peter Check, right? I mean, it does seem like Check can't really do this play out of the back style. There's already kind of rumblings, you know, in yeah. some of the national press publications this this week that that this this change might be coming. I mean, it could just be total speculation, but. I mean, how bad does Czech have to look before they finally kind of, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's like it feels cruel almost. (laughs) I guess, yeah, the the issue, I think Czech has had a fairly decent start to the season just in terms of shot stopping. That's that's something that he hasn't lost. But, yeah, of course, the big issue is Emery wants to play out of the back. He wants better footwork from his GK. And that is where Czech is really falling on his face. So somebody, yeah. yeah, somebody mentioned, I think it may have been Arsblog. They were talking about how, you know, one thing that, that we're seeing a lot right now under Emery is he's giving the old guard enough rope to hang themselves, uh-huh. you know? So he, he gives Ozil, you know, a couple of games uh, to see if Ozil can track back the way that he wants him to in his style. Ozil doesn't do it. And so he gets dropped. Right. I mean, I yeah. know they pretended he was sick or whatever, but pretty clearly just 
you know, the the rumor is pretty strong that he was just dropped from the squad and, and you know, they didn't want to say that. Sure. Um, you know, Peter Check, the same way. I mean, they're given a chance to play out of the back. He can't do it. So it's almost like it's, you know, it's kind of like with, with Conte that first year when he didn't do his three at the back until they lost 3-0 to Arsenal. And then mm-hmm. he was like, okay, great. Now, now I, can, I can do my style. Uh, and they reeled off, what, like 10 wins in a row or something like that. So, I mean, you know, let's see with Arsenal. I mean, you know, Emery is a, is a great manager and he's done, I mean, he did, yeah, especially at Sevilla, he did amazing things. Um, so I think we do have to give him some time. Um, you know, Hector Barron is kind of the only player I really want in this, in this team at this point. Yeah. Just dropped down to 5.4 million, uh, really attacking this year. The guy can't shoot though. That's the one problem. He's kind of got, he's got Kyle Walker disease. <laughs> yeah, he does. He Until does. last he- week, I guess. Yeah, Kyle Walker finally a miraculous cure for his disease with that that <laughs> shot. But yeah, these these fixtures are still, despite everything I said, still pretty compelling. Away to Newcastle, home to Everton and Watford, and then Fulham at Craven Cottage, a match in which the cheaters will appear. Uh, we will be live in person uh, at the cottage for that match. Lacazette. Um, I mean, does Lacazette appeal to you at all? I would love to have Lacazette if. I knew that Emery was right. settling on a front three that was going to start week yeah. in, week out. That, like, if Lacazette Nine, was yeah. 7.5, I might be interested in taking that risk, but... Yeah, he's like Man City midfielder price at that point. You're like, yeah, sure, like, that's the same price as Bernardo Silva, like, what the hell, you know? Yeah, 9.5, you you kind of want... I think the problem with Lacazette is at 9.5, you think, maybe I can scrape together another 1.5 to get up to Aubameyang and have the security of start and presumably yeah. have the security of PKs that Aubameyang gets you. So Lacazette, I, I, want, it, I want it to work for him because I'd love to have him uh, for right. a decent run. Yeah, he looked good. I mean, but, you know, the reality is he started one of four game weeks, uh... Uh, you know, he played so well uh, in the Cardiff match that you assume he's, he might get a little run now. But, you know, even in these four easy fixtures, uh, the expectation is what, that he'll start maybe three? I mean, probably not all four, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, he hasn't done a lot off the bench so far this season. So I think he picked up one assist in the first three games yep. off the bench. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I and, and, you know, and Aubameyang is just too expensive, right, given his... For sure. Given how he's looked so far. Okay, so if you're on your wild card, yes or no, Bellerin is in your side. Well, probably not. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I do have, I mean, I have a kind of unique situation because I have, um, actually, this could, well, if if Luke Shaw is out long term, then this could be a situation that some of us are in. But um, I have Eric Bailly, um, who, you know, has lost his place in the squad. I just haven't started him the last couple game weeks. Um, But... You know, I do my, my goal before game week five is to move by assuming that Zaha is healthy. Um, I'm going to move by on to somebody. Um, he's priced at 5.4 million and I've got 0.5 in the bank. Mm-hmm. So I could move to Bayern really easily. Um, I could also move to Patrick Van Anhalt, which just seems like more fun. You know, <laughs> he's a fun guy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Laporte, I guess, is another option. Um but, you know, I guess there's some some concerns about starting there, too. So, so Bayern, I, I would rank him below Patrick Van Anhalt, though, in terms of who I want, you know, at that same price point. Yeah, okay. All right, let's move on to Bournemouth. And uh, the thing I know about Bournemouth is that they are tricky, tricky. Um, <laughs> I think I, I didn't have high hopes for Bournemouth at the start of the season, but I think they've impressed everyone with their, their attack. And uh, their defense predictably has been 
pretty much a liability. Uh, Nathan Ake um, is kind of doing his Nathan Ake thing where he um, he has been pretty decent on set pieces, but they just can't right. keep uh, clean sheets. Scored a, scored a goal, didn't he? Did he yeah. score a goal? Yeah, yeah. but yeah. 5.0 to buy into this Bournemouth defense is – um, I mean, yeah. I struggle to justify 4.5 to get into the Bournemouth defense. I so, mean, they could be 3.8 and I wouldn't want a Bournemouth defender. I mean, <laughs> what are you getting from them? You're getting nothing. Yeah. The, I uh, mean, they got a clean sheet in game week one against Cardiff. You know, I mean, anybody can get a clean sheet against Cardiff except Arsenal. Yeah, uh, it, it is strange. So it's it's really down to their attacking assets. So you've got uh, three different people who are in the fold. You've got Josh King, who uh, he was tough to own at the start of the season. I gave up on him, as a lot of other people did. Looks like he mm-hmm. may finally may be back on pens after Kellen mm-hmm. Wilson's uh, adventure with penalties. And he's come yeah. out in the media and said, yes, I'm on pens. I'm taking pens. Yep. So he's on pens and they have a great run of fixtures, right? Yeah. I mean, Leicester, Burnley, Crystal Palace, Watford, Southampton. But the guy who stands out to me just on his price alone is Ryan Fraser, Price to sell at 5.8 and uh, one goal and one assist on the season. Oh, I, I like him. Uh, you know, I, I wish I would have brought him in Roconte. That was a, a big mistake. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, it's so far he's actually – Conte's outscored him by one point, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think in general I uh, – I really, I mean, at, at his price, I think he's he's great value, and he's he's on like every set piece right now. Yeah, um, he's he's five point six actually. I misspoke. Five point six, right? Yeah, it's they're just they're just a strange team, Bournemouth. I uh, I I can't say I, I dislike them, but um, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> okay, uh, Brighton. Okay, a few things we know about Brighton. Uh, they have no clean sheets so far, uh, but. I don't think you can discount how tough their fixtures have been. Um, I mean, they played Man United and Liverpool. Um, they beat Man United, although they did concede a couple of goals. Um, away to Watford ended up being a tougher match than we expected, given Watford's strong start of the season. And even the home match to Fulham, just given that Fulham is so attacking, um, I don't think uh, conceding clean sheets, clean sheets, conceding a goal, you know, and losing a clean sheet in that match is, uh, you know, that much of a of a concern. Uh, you know, so Dunk was out. He's back in the squad, and I think he's a real option at four point four million. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very tempted to have a break. I don't know. This is like definitely not the smartest way to play, but given that our first the first match in our UK trip is that home match in game week eight for Brighton, okay, uh, it is very tempting to have Dunk in my squad as a starter for for that. They're hosting. I mean, it doesn't even matter what side of the pitch we're on, right? He might score a goal. He very well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're hosting West Ham there in game week eight, so you're you're counting on Ar- Arnautovic to uh, to not spoil the party there. I think you're. I think um, what we should do is just go to Ladbrokes and take out some sort of cheeky bet about while uh, like a first yellow card or something like that. Now, don't let. I am going to try and talk you out of getting a Brighton player. I, I don't <laughs> see. It. You know, I'm going to be so like personally invested in the game from a. Yeah, we should just enjoy our time in Brighton, right, Brian? We should walk the beaches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We should just forget about football entirely. Um, but game traded our tickets. Game week six and seven. It's Spurs in Manchester City. Uh, I I guess if you go the Brighton defender route, you've got to be prepared to bench these guys. Of course. I mean, that's why they're four. You know, I, I don't think any Brighton player is a starter. I mean, I the exception would have been Pascal Gross, but I, I think there's a real worry about him now. And 
you know, a concern about whether he's still, I, I don't know. It feels like it's, he's not really clicking with that, with that. I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange. It's a strange thing with gross. I mean, I, I don't totally understand it, you know, and I know that now he's, he's flagged with an ankle injury. Uh, but even before that, I mean, only playing, you know, 10 minutes away to Liverpool was, was strange. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, 50, he's played 59 minutes twice in the first four game weeks. Yeah. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if he was withdrawn from with an injury in the 59th minute or now that Fulham game. But, yeah, he did miss a pen. I, I, just strange, you know, at 6.9 million, which is what he's currently priced. He's, he's just too expensive to have in your in your team. Yeah, I do wonder what Brighton looks like when Izquierdo finally makes it back into the lineup. I guess he's yeah. meant to come back from this knee injury after the break here. So we'll see if he's yeah. straight back in or not. But he was such an exciting attacking player for them last season. And um, I mean, I will give Knockart credit. He's looked better this season than he did last season. I think he's contributing a little more uh, with a little bit more discipline. Yeah, just picked up an assist in game week four. He's priced at $5.5 million, uh, selected by 0.6% of teams. So if you are already thinking differential, which I don't think you should, but if you, if you just want to be different, um, I think that Knockhart is definitely a player worth considering. I mean, it's not like he's like some underlying stat favorite or anything like that, but he's just a... Uh, um, he tries very hard, Brandon, as you, as you've said before, he's <laughs> yeah. a classic tryhard. Yeah. So Izquierdo is now down to 5.9. He's dropped a little bit from people who brought him in for game week one, I assume. Okay. So keep right. just flag him, put him on your watch list, uh, when he's back and healthy. It is, it is Kanakart, isn't it? By the way, I think you're supposed to say like every letter of that name. Josh, you want to talk about pronunciations? Why don't you go <laughs> no. to a different podcast? <laughs> That's not how we do things on Always Cheating. We say things incorrectly yeah. with pride and a And we own it. <laughs> and That's we true. own it. <laughs> yeah. The final, final point here is just that we were probably all undervaluing Glenn Murray a little bit. Um, I was a little worried because he didn't, he, he was a little in and out of the squad at the end of last season. Uh, but at 6.5 million, it's it's a fair price. He picked up three. He kind of just picked up where he left off last year, right? I mean, three goals in the first four games. Yeah. Um, I don't love him for the next, as you as you mentioned before, their way to Southampton. They play Spurs and Man City in game week six and seven. But then they have a great run of fixtures starting in game week eight. Um, they have you know, West Ham, Newcastle, Wolves, Everton, Cardiff, Leicester, Huddersfield Palace. I mean, basically from game weeks eight to 15, you've just got like a really solid run of fixtures. So, um I don't know. Maybe, maybe like there is time. Like they have this like this giant midfield now, right? Like all of these options, none of them are too expensive, except maybe Pascal Gross. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if anybody kind of emerges from that. So definitely a team to keep an eye on. Okay, so Glenn Murray, he's thriving at age thirty-four. Burnley, however, they look like the forty-five-year-old men of the league. They are a shell <laughs> of their former selves. The good news for Burnley, though, is that they are out of the Europa League and uh, they will have no no more Thursday night fixtures. Which, you know, for a team that doesn't have the type of squad depth that uh, a te- teams like like Chelsea and Arsenal would have in the Europa League, Burnley would just is just going to plummet down the league table. So good news for them that they're out of the Europa fixture, but still um, are the, are the question is, is Burnley going to finally sort of revert to the mean and become the underachieving premier league side that everyone expects them to be. If I look at Burnley, particularly the first four weeks of the season, I'm like, where are the goals coming from? Two right. of their three goals this season have come from Tarkovsky. Okay, so he's not playing striker. He's central defense. And uh, Hendrick with the other goal. Barnes isn't really playing, but for 10 to 15 
matches a game. I really can't see Ashley Barnes as a player that's going to replicate that that goal streak that he had last season. And if right. Chris Wood is not scoring uh, for Burnley, then I, I really do fear for their goal output. To me, the biggest thing is Gibbonson being injured. I mean, as as long as Gibbonson's out, that, that team is really crippled. Yeah, so the prospect for Goodmanson, I guess, is good in that uh, it's not meant to be serious, his injury, and uh, he was just going to sit out the international break. So it looks like he should be back, uh, no problem. Let's see, what was his injury? Uh, a thigh injury. If you look through the, uh, like, go to Ben Dinnery's site, premierinjuries.com, it is a host of thigh injuries. It's <laughs> If last year was, like, say, the year of the twanged hamstring, this is the year of the thigh injury. I mean, Spurs... Spurs' entire injury list is all due to thigh injuries. It's, it's Can it pretty, be the year of the fullback and the year of the thigh? Like, is that, are those compatible? I think so. I don't know. Uh, all right. Well, that's – yeah, I think we all kind of know where we are with, with Burnley right now. It's I, The thing is they play Bournemouth and Huddersfield at home in two of their next four. So I guess that's their chance, right? Like, we'll, yeah. we'll see We'll see what they're – we'll see if they can write the ship. And Cardiff away. I mean, uh, I mean – even though it's right. an away match, Cardiff are the whipping boys, so you'd still like to see what Burnley would do there. So it's it's yeah. a big run of fixtures for them coming up. Yeah, certainly from a fantasy perspective, you know, Tarkowski has proved his worth at five million, despite the fact that they haven't they've only kept one clean sheet. Uh, but he's got, you know, twenty points already through four. Um, good run of fixtures. Uh if he has like to I mean, I don't know, like can, does a center back get better at scoring goals or is it just like a bit of luck? I, I, I never totally know, you know, uh, but still picking up two in the first four is something that you have to take notice of, right? Like if he, if he yeah. has, you know, made a point to be more aggressive in the box or something like that, then um, he's, you know, really strong value at 5 million given that they're, given that they're always going to, you would expect them to be a little more defensively solid now that the Europa League is, is, you know, the run is over. Cardiff City, Brandon, one thing we know is that they are an awful team with awful fixtures. Um, you could take a chance in their defenders. I, it feels harsh, but it's true, right? This is not a team that's that's long for the Premier League. You're just saying uh, that, what everyone else is prediction. thinking. By the way, we took a bunch of bold predictions for this episode. We're going to read them all off at the end of the podcast. So if you've chimed in with a bold prediction, wait till the end of the pod and yours will yours will be there. Um, you could take a chance on one of their defenders, uh, Sol Bamba or Joe Bennett. Uh, but the fixtures really are bad in the near term. And they play Chelsea, Man City, and Spurs in three of the next four. And even that Burnley match is not going to be an easy match for them. That's that's in game week seven. Um, I would stay away from this entire team. Uh, I see no value anywhere in that squad. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, this team, or the the how the defense is priced is just another testament to the the evilness of FPL Towers. The one player I'm interested in is Sean Morrison. He's the team Mm -hmm. captain, just a legend on scoring goals, offset pieces, central defender. But they priced him at $5 million. Like, there is... Priced him out. Yeah. Going back to our earlier theory about uh, buying into the Bournemouth defense at no greater than 3.8. If 3.8 is the threshold for Bournemouth defense for Cardiff, it's got to be around uh, 3.2. And then you've got <laughs> Sean Morrison and 5.0. So, yeah, uh, maybe 3.2 just to be an enabler for other players, right? That's the <laughs> a great make weight at 3.2. Yeah. I mean, and just to like lean in on Cardiff a little bit here, um, they're also like, they're, they, they actually, they, you remember, you know, when Middlesberger, as we called them, uh, were in the league a couple of years ago, 
that was that was a truly boring team to watch, right? There was no joy in watching them play, and I feel like Cardiff has really inherited that mantle. Yeah, or there's just there's nothing fun about watching Cardiff play. Uh, so yeah, sorry. And if you're a Cardiff fan, I, I'm doubly sorry because because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it must have been fun to get promoted, but your team is no fun to watch. Well, just remember, visit Malaysia. All right, so <laughs> a team that's no good and no fun to a team that is good and is fun. It's Chelsea. So uh, their fixtures were were really quite nice to start the uh, the season here. They're turning ever so slightly as we go. They do host Cardiff, uh, which should be a great FPL fixture. Then it's away to West Ham. Then they host Liverpool, Southampton, and then Manchester United. Um, Alonso, let's just come out and say it. He's a must-have. He's uh, returned yep. offensively in every game week so far. Five assists and one goal. It's It's incredible. And he's... He's probably come like a post an inch away from scoring eight to ten goals already this season. So Alonso yeah, must have two, two, two yeah, he could have scored at least twice in uh, in the Bournemouth match. Yeah, and Hazard we talked about when we were discussing my wild card at the start of the pod. I find him very exciting right now, and the excitement for Hazard is always just prelude to a grand disappointment, so everyone be <laughs> forewarned. But uh, two goals and two assists thus far, and it looks like he's really coming in, into form, scored against Scotland this Friday, and only played 56 minutes, so it's not like Belgium's Very just nice going to... Yeah, yeah, so he's, he's not going to be run into the ground ahead of this Cardiff match. So, looking forward to rolling Hazard out in game week five. Pedro, I mean, it's just the, the whole problem is that he's going to be competing with William for that spot indefinitely, right? I mean, they they sort of they're they're both kind of in that slot. So I just don't want to, sp- you know, if they were four point five five million, that'd be fine. But I just don't want to spend that much money for a player that you know every single week when the team sheets come out, I'm crossing my fingers up when they start. I just I hate that feeling. Yeah. And maybe that maybe that cost me money in the end, but like that's how much I hate that feeling. <laughs> you yeah. know, I just won't I just won't have the player. Well, I mean, I've heard you on this podcast make the opposite argument for Liverpool attackers and Man City attackers say you have to buckle down and grit your teeth through that rotation risk because you know yeah, even but, if these players come off the bench yeah. they can still score and Pedro is that we're type talking of about, we're talking about Mo Salah and Sadio Mane not not Pedro and William I mean th- those guys have never had double digit goals in the Premier League before you know I mean you know I just don't see the the appeal there um I don't know that's just that's I mean, do you do you disagree? I mean, do you, are you thinking about Pedro and your team? I am not thinking about Pedro. Well, I'll tell you why. Because I think if you're on Chelsea, there are only two options for me. And I, uh, um, I try to not be this inflexible, but I do think it's Alonso and Hazard or nobody else. Pedro is there, and I think he is the obvious option if you're looking to get right. in chelsea at a cheaper price point but i wouldn't recommend him because i think right now your mission is to find a way to first get alonzo into your team and second if you like it get his art in there i did rush over to the fantasy premier site to make sure that neither pedro or william had scored double digit goals and uh, i was right just barely because <laughs> pedro did score nine a couple of years ago but i i was still right i don't know um, pedro just has yeah. the type of technique where i can see I mean, I, I don't know that he sustains it for an entire season, but uh, I don't know. Can I, I think tell you can, something, Brandon? Yeah. I inexplicably don't like Pedro. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I just don't like, I'd never liked him. I didn't like him at Barcelona. Uh, I don't like him at Chelsea. I just, I don't know if I, it's cause I don't like his haircut or, or what, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's nothing, it's like, it's nothing like, per, it's like, it's like, a, I just don't like him. I, I just can't get a bad vibe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he seems like a bad guy. No, I, like, I don't know. It's a, he seems like a perfectly nice guy. I just don't like. It's, it's like his game isn't exciting. It's not like I don't like. I, I know nothing about him as a person, but it's just like his like his style of play or something. I, uh-huh. I don't know. I mean, do you do you like Pedro? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about Pedro. Um, hmm. That makes one of us. <laughs> I mean, thank God for FPL. Actually, it's bringing me to think about Pedro, whereas I would be <laughs> be otherwise living a life in which he never crossed my mind. So, thank you, FPL. Um, true, true. I, uh, he's he's strange. Uh, maybe it is that <laughs> sort of like La Liga Premier League divide where I so closely associate Pedro with Barcelona and La Liga that he's always felt like an outsider at Chelsea. But yeah. uh, he's been there for I mean, this is his third season there now. Yeah, but I mean, even at Barcelona, I, mean, I loved like I mean, this is like a total tangent now. But I mean, like I feel like there were times when I liked every single player in Barcelona starting eleven except Pedro. You know, so it's not like I don't know, just weird. I All think right, it's now, the haircut. We're, we're verging into the territory of, of of people who don't like the Last Jedi. So maybe we should just move on. <laughs> uh, Crystal Palace, uh, one thing we know is that they still can't do anything without Will Zaha. Uh, I like that. I think my computer autocorrected that to Will Friend Zaha, uh, which I like in my in my running notes here. He's a friend um, to all. <laughs> we don't know uh, what the status is as of recording this podcast, recording this on Sunday night. So uh, hopefully he's okay. His brother seems to think he'll be okay on, on <laughs> Instagram or something. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see. Um, I think that, uh, I think he'll be okay. Um, it doesn't sound, I feel like if it was a more serious injury, we would, it would have like come out by now, you know? Um, that's, that's just my personal opinion. The the last quote. Okay. What I love about this on uh, premier injuries is the reason that Zaha is out. It's not knee. It's not thigh. It's not, uh, anything. It's, it's a grouping of uh, three different separate items, groin, hip, and pelvic. It's just like the whole, <laughs> it's the whole wow. crotch and everything that comes into contact with the crotch. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, still so annoying the way that the, the Friday afternoon injury is the most annoying of all injuries, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah there's, yeah, there's no way to, there's no way to plan against it or plan for it. So it does seem like they may have some trouble scoring this year. The good news for them is that Christian Menteke won't be missing his chances for them for a little while. Um, and I think that'll really help the offense. So um, it looks like this might be – apparently he picked up some sort of injury. I think it was with the Belgian squad. Uh, it sounds like he might be out for about a month or so. I think the hope is that this is Lord Sorloth's time. And, uh, I mean, we're all sort of I – think, I think the world is really crossing its fingers uh, to see if Sorloth can finally deliver – um, there had been some talk about IU, but I feel like, I feel like Sorlot is the, the preferred option of those two, um, as a, as a starting forward, uh, I, time, time will tell, I guess. But, uh, if he actually is a starter and if he does anything, I mean, he finally scored his first goal for them in a, in a league cup match a couple weeks ago. Um, he's actually for all of our, like big upping him kind of ingest on the pot over the last, like year or so mm-hmm. or i guess whenever he joined the team mm-hmm. uh he's actually not a bad option i mean what is, i think his price is like 
is he like he's four he's five million okay so i guess his ownership never got high enough for him to fall down uh, below five. <laughs> oh that's so, so sad he is, but he's available at five million they play huddersfield newcastle bournemouth and wolves in their next four yeah if i were on my wild card brandon i'm not okay. saying you have to mm-hmm. do this okay but you should do this uh-huh. i would i would not bring in ings and i would bring in surlot and that'd be an extra 0.5 million yeah. that you could use for other places in your squad okay so uh sir mix surlot uh, i like big goals and i cannot lie uh <laughs> I, I do agree i think it is and i love how we have morphed in this segment from our traditional Sorloth pronunciation to the correct Surlot pronunciation. So let, <laughs> he's earned that respect. You, you can't say <laughs> you can't say we we never try. We do try. Uh, yeah, it just for anybody who's you know anyone who's like a relatively new listener, we got really we we coined the Lord Sorlot thing because when it first started to break out, I think he was a January transfer last year. It was just all you saw for a while was the name Sorloth, just S-O-R-L-O-T-H, like popping up all over Twitter. And it is the most – it sounds like a monster, right? It sounds like a sea monster. It sure does, you know, yeah. Just, yeah, Sor- a Sorloth. Like that sounds like a thing that haunts <laughs> like the Danes or something like throughout history. Um, uh-huh. So, uh, you know, I think it was just – I mean, he's Norwegian, right? Uh, but I think it was just uh, – you know, there was a lot of excitement about – uh, about you know a sea monster joining the Premier League, and then and then when we saw them, and he looked like Ivan Drago, yeah. it was even more fun, you know. It was this this, I, I, and so he looked sort of imperial, you know. And so I think that's where the Lord came in as well. So absolutely, uh, that is the origin of the Lord Sorlot nickname. He is the only landed uh, landed gentry of the Premier League. <laughs> that's right. Uh, all right, so yeah, Palace. Uh, but I, I, I mentioned. Um, um, the uh, their full Juan Bis- you know Juan Basaka and both their four back fullbacks I like I and mean, Juan Basaka is you know the great cheap option uh, you know at some point his price is going to cr- climb high enough that he's actually going to be less appealing as an option uh, but as it is he's only at four point one million um, despite being owned by twenty two point nine percent I guess that his ownership was high enough at the start of the season that. Mm-hmm. He hasn't risen risen that much. I, everyone kind of got out of the bed. This is why I will. I you know if if we ever get to go to League Towers, Brandon, mm-hmm. I'm going to petition them to not list selected by percentage until game week one kicks off. Yeah, because I think these people they come in the day before the season starts. They see who the highest owned players are. They bring them in. It shoots their ownership up. Yeah, uh, it makes it, it. We lose our competitive edge. <laughs> if we do, that we do. <laughs> All right, and, uh, and but if- I yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to ask you if anything else on Palace. Just, I just thought I, Patrick Van Anhalt I, I really like as a, as an attacking defender. He's uh, fairly affordable at five point five million, and their fixtures are pretty good. So um, I'd, I'd look at him. Okay. All right. I I got tasked with Everton here, and struggled to know what to say about them because I think they've been kind of vexing at the start of the season. <laughs> I I oscillate with my opinion on Marco Silva. Like I, I think he's an interesting manager, and then the an, another day I think he's a complete another utter snake oil salesman. Yeah, it's like is he, in a, is he like Alan Pardew? Yeah, yeah. Like what what has this guy actually ever accomplished? And um, the trick here with Everton is they have relied a lot on Richarlison for their goals. And we're we're missing two key players, Sanctosin and Gilfie Sigurdsson. Where are these guys in terms of FPL returns? So Richarlison is out for one more game week with his suspension. He needs off. He's he's basically the 
prime featured player on Brazil's social media channels right now. So uh, while he's not getting Everton play, he's getting lots of play on on Brazilian social. <laughs> yeah, I was I was happy for him to get his first cap. That was that was. You know, he doesn't seem like I don't think I've like ever seen him smile. You know, mm-hmm. he's a little bit like Lukaku, but uh, he's I mean, quite okay, serious. Lukaku smiles. Lukaku smiles sometimes, and like I, I posted a couple of days ago about how like Lukaku, no one, no one is less happy in the world than Lukaku when he scores a goal. Yeah, um, I think that's really been like the last year or so. I think the first. The first half of last season, Man United, when he was knocking him in like every game week, it was great. He was happy. And then he had that long drought. And now it's like he feels guilty about it. Like he feel like he's like he still feels bad about this long run. And I feel like I haven't seen him smile since he scored a goal since like yeah. game week seven of last season. Well, I told you how I, I, I was in the library and uh, I, I went down this dark corridor and found this dusty old book and opened it up and found that. Lukaku actually had a, a spell cast on him by this uh, old wizard. And the wizard said, mm-hmm. Lukaku, every time you score a goal, a kitten will be banished to a galactic uh, prison planet. And uh, that's why he looks sad every time he scores a goal, because a, yeah. a kitten uh, goes to prison. It's a heartbreaking story. And this is just one of the, in like the Brooklyn Public Library. It was just like a, was it like a, it's, the, the, you know. The, this, this legend was there for everyone to see, but I was really the only uh, one that bothered to look. You, you, like you got the microfiche and you were like <laughs> yeah, scrolling exactly, through. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, Everton, um, Walcott has a rib injury. Uh, doesn't, doesn't sound terribly serious, but um, I don't know. Rib injuries. Can, can really hamper your ability to breathe, particularly if you're sprinting as much as a guy like Theo Walcott is. So a little uncertainty yeah. there. It's like a pain. Like it's like he could be ready to play, but it's like whether he can play with the pain or not. I think there's a very good chance he comes off the bench mm-hmm. in this this game week, right? I mean, yeah. He, yeah, too risky, I think. And their defense is also risky. It's a no-go zone. And Kino has got this uh, major head injury that's probably going to keep him out through the end of September. And without him is the core of their central defense. I do worry about them being really leaky at the back. So on the whole, yeah. Everton are a dicey proposition, at least until Richarlson is back from suspension. We talked about a, a bit yeah. about this over the last couple of weeks with strategy. If you still are trying to figure out what to do with Richarlison and you still have him, uh, easy to make the case to just keep him, ride him on your bench Definitely. for the next week. So I think that we'd both recommend that you hang on to him just through the end of the suspension if you haven't dumped him already. <laughs> this run of fixtures for Everton is so good, by the way, that I like I shudder to think about how bad it's going to be. <laughs> like <laughs> in like five or six weeks, it's like it's like the it's the complete opposite of Newcastle, right? Where like Newcastle haven't had a good game yet. Uh, or like an easy fixture, maybe the Cardiff away, but right. uh, you know, it's like it's bad. It's it's going to stay bad for a while, and then it's going to be great. And it's like it just got Everton must have some run coming up where it's like just all the tough teams like back <laughs> to back to back to back. Yeah, I guess once you you have to get to December when they have the Merseyside derby and then Man City and Spurs uh, into the festive fi- fixtures. So yeah, but but until then, it's. It's not so bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. What do they? How do they do that? Is that? It's crazy. Okay. Anyway, we'll have to. <laughs> love our lawyers look into that. That's very suspicious. Please do. All right. Next up, Fulham. Brandon, you are a Fulham supporter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you one thing I know, and then if you want to add something else, mm-hmm. uh, please, please go ahead. Um, the one thing I know, or I think I know anyway, is that it looks like they can score on just about anyone. 
which is great because they aren't keeping any clean sheets. Do you agree <laughs> with that assessment? Uh, yeah, I think that's a fair and accurate representation. I mean, they finally got Elfie Mawson into the central defense, which I think might help sure things up and they could they could finally push Lamasharn out to the uh, fullback position which is why he was brought in. So, I think they're kind of fighting through these injuries that have plagued the defense for a while and as we saw with their attack, they needed uh like two and a half game weeks for that to actually start to come together. So, right. um but yeah, as such as it is, Mitro is really the the uh the only way to go for me on Fulham. Yeah. Jean Michael Sarri, that was interesting too. I think. I mean, he actually has has outscored uh, Shirley so far this season. Five point four million is a half million cheaper. Super highly rated player, almost moved to Barcelona a season ago. Um, you know, it was a big get for for Fulham to to bring him into their squad. I, I wasn't too bullish on him going into the season because historically he hasn't been he hasn't been maybe quite as attacking as he's been so far with Fulham. Um, could just be that the squad he was in, it just didn't, it was a fit thing or, or whatever. But, um, I mean, I'm not like a seriologist, Brandon, <laughs> uh, but, uh, I think he's at that price point. I think he's, he's kind of tempting. Um, you know, I mean, the shame of it, you know, the part of it is like, you know, when you're on your wild card, you, you always want that best possible team and they do play man city yeah. in week five. And I, I wonder if that's taking some of the, the fun out of it for some people, but, um, it's I, kind of a mixed bag of fixtures for Fulham. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the Man City away fixture uh, in game week five is a big, is a scary one for sure. Watford, Everton, Arsenal. I mean, just just to touch upon Siri real quick while you were talking about him, I do feel like we're one FPL data point short of knowing if Siri really is the real deal. I'm getting Conte, N'Golo Conte vibes from him where everyone's like, oh, is Conte actually playing farther forward than we expected? Is he really an offensive right. threat? And right. uh, I, I just wonder if it was just a flurry of attacking output from Surrey. Uh, all right, Brandon, let's move on to uh, our final. Let's, let's do, do one more team. Let's take a break. Uh, Huddersfield. I have two points to discuss with Huddersfield. First, their uh, upcoming fixtures, Palace at home, Leicester away, Spurs, Burnley, and then Liverpool. Two players to point out. Philip Billing is morphing into the 4.5 midfielder to have 90 minutes in all four uh, uh, game weeks this season and a goal. So if definitely a player that you don't want to waste a transfer to try and like work Billing into your side. But for all of us that are on our wild card card or are soon to be on our wild card, I think Billing is going to... stand out particularly with that one goal uh under his belt then Jonas Losel goalkeeper it looks like he's got that position back particularly after Hamer got that injury and now I don't see how Losel would give that position up so uh would you want to rotate with a Huddersfield goalkeeper uh certainly not I think if you're considering a rotation with Losel you're probably better just getting uh, 4.0 to bench the entire time. Anyway, Huddersfield, they're they are kind of a bad team, so no, no sense really yeah. dwelling on this. Fun fact about Billing, though, he is six foot six, much taller than I would have expected. It's a tall, tall man. That is a tall so, man. He's only 20, only 20 years old. I, I actually I wanted to see how, how old he was, and I, I just Googled the word Billing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know. It was, there was absolutely, <laughs> Philip Billing was not even near the top of the results uh, when you just Google Billing. They're not quite, they weren't quite smart enough to know that I was looking for a Huddersfield player there. So. We just need him to score the game-winning goal so we, the headline can read, Top Billing. 
Mm, that would be Brennan. Uh, you lost. You, you missed a chance to be a headline writer. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back uh, with the second half of our uh, team uh, team reviews. Okay. All right, let's take a minute to talk about our friends at Starting Eleven. It's the newest way to play daily fantasy cash games live in the UK, US, Canada, and Germany for your iOS. There are also free games available everywhere on your Android device. If you want to download the Starting Eleven app, just go to the Google Play Store or the iOS App Store. It's daily fantasy on your phone. Play any day in which there are two or more Premier League matches going on. Set your squad with no budgetary limitations. Adjust your lineup right up until kickoff. And once the games are going on, you have three live in-game substitutions that you can make depending on how substitutions are happening and action is actually unfolding live in the games that you're watching. And uh, Starting Eleven is starting to tease on their social media, Josh. Mini leagues. Mini leagues are coming soon to the app, which is going to be awesome, right? I expressed my excitement on Twitter, Brandon. I put it into words, my excitement. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I really am. I, I think it's going to be an awesome feature. So as it is now, if you want to play Starting Eleven, you can go into the app and challenge your friends. Just uh, send a challenge to their email address that's tied to their Starting Eleven account. You could, Or you can play with strangers around the world, depending on what kind of cash game or free game you want to get involved in. But yeah, when these mini leagues launch, you'll be able to start leagues with friends and, and fellow cheaters out there so go to starting11.io for more information and if you want the full download from the horse's mouth we talked to thomas braun who's a co-founder of starting 11 that interview with thomas appears at the end of last week's episode number 139 of always cheating yeah brendan just to tag along to what you were saying a moment ago um i just feel like you know these guys are doing everything right i love the interface i love how easy it is to deposit money i feel like it's just it's if you want to try out a one day daily fantasy site and just see if it's for you see if it's you know something you might enjoy i just feel like it's a it's a really good fun and trustworthy place to go so um starting 11.io as you said uh great place to go and uh and, and try it out all right brandon we're back leicester city a couple things that we know uh well maybe only one thing that i really feel like we know which is that james madison does look like the real deal right he was a highly touted play going into the season and even with all the kind of tumult that they've had, right? I mean, they didn't have Harry Maguire at the start of the season, and uh, you know, Jimmy Vardy's been out for three games. Uh, it just it feels like this guy is like a little kind of mini Christian Eriksen, right? Like, uh-huh. just yeah. feels like he's he's all over the ball. Uh, he seems kind of you know like pretty attack minded, uh, really affordable, you know, around six point five billion. Yeah, right at six point five. Uh, yeah, right at six point five. Yeah, I didn't know if he'd risen or fallen at all, but um, yeah. So I, you know, I mean, what do you think about Madison? Any 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 thoughts in addition to what I just yeah, said? Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good comparison for Christian Eriksen, and to see, I mean, highly touted coming out of Norwich, but yeah, just to finally have real uh, eye test of him in the Premier League and playing against these bigger teams, it does check out. And I don't think we've seen the best of him. Yeah, I think one thing that we still don't quite know about, but the early signs are encouraging, uh, are it's Damari Gray and uh, and the Nacho Man, who uh, both have looked pretty good. Now, now, granted, some of this is without Vardy in the team. Uh, but, you know, Gray is this player who has been intriguing for years, you know. And, um, you know, he's he started all four matches so far. Um, 
and uh, you know, he's picked up just just the one goal so far. I think he may have done something in, in one of the League Cup matches too. And so, um, intriguing option. Um, I think that um, uh, Nacho, I, 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 you know, I, I Nacho. Um, how do you say his name? Ian uh, Ian Nacho. Ian, Ian Nacho, right? Uh, Again, this is not why people are coming to the Always Cheating Podcast. I know. I, I, I like, like, to, I like try to try. To, yeah, <laughs> occasionally try. Uh, yeah, we're not in the press box, you know. I don't know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, even at six million, which is a great price, uh, I just think that we need to see him actually play together with Vardy for a while, assuming he even starts alongside Vardy. Um, you know, and if he does, then then he's interesting. But uh, until then, I think that. Um, he's kind of a stay away and, um, you know, and Gazal is the one who, um, is, is interesting. You know, he did pick up the goal in the Liverpool match, but, uh, I just feel like it's way too early for him. I just, I, I wouldn't recommend bringing him in quite yet. My issue with Lester is, uh, I just, I really don't know where they're going to be at the end of the season. I think a lot of these teams for better or worse, you can make these bold predictions of they'll fail, they'll succeed, they'll be mid table and Lester, uh, it's hard for me to put any real stock, and this includes James Madison and any of these players, because they just week to week they have no idea what, who's going to turn up and how they're going to look. Yeah, I mean, you know, they played away to away to Liverpool and away to Man United in two of their first four. You know, so it's just um, I, I think that and Vardy's been out for three of those games. You know, so yeah. I, it kind of feels like we just don't really know quite what to think yet. But I, I do like Madison. I think we both like Madison. All right, so it's the two big daddies up next. I'll take Liverpool, then you've got Manchester City. So everyone's talking about these, this fixture pileup for Liverpool, mostly because they have uh, two key matchups in the Champions League with PSG and with Napoli. So uh, both pretty lauded teams in Europe. So the fixtures are as this. Away to Spurs in game week five, then it's PSG at home. Home to Southampton, Chelsea in the League Cup. Then it's Chelsea away for um, the league. Then Napoli, followed by Manchester City. So um, there's some very diabolical fixtures for Liverpool there. Right. How does that make us now feel about one of our most beloved FPL teams? With Salamane, Firmino, Robertson, Virgil van Dijk, Allison. These are all players that we have on our sides you, Josh, are not intimidated in the slightest bit by these figures. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, yeah, if I'm looking like five or six weeks ahead, I, I guess there's some pause. But, I mean, okay, they're going to play their strongest squad in the Spurs match, I would think. Um, the uh, the PSG the PSG match is home. Um, I mean, the Southampton game is the one that that definitely gives gives everybody a little bit of pause. Um, but the, you know, everyone keeps talking about this Chelsea league cup match right before they play Chelsea away. They're not going to play anybody in that Chelsea league cup match. That, that match might as well not exist. Right. And that's going to be all <laughs> seconds. It's going to be all second stringers, uh, yeah. because they've got to play a strong squad. 11 Jordan Chelsea. Hendersons. Ex- exactly. Uh, you know, the Napoli game that is a way, and that could be a tough fixture, but are they really not going to put out their strongest squad to play man city at home in game week eight? You know, mm-hmm. or, or Chelsea away in game week seven. So, I mean, of those four fixtures, I just think that's going to be something close to the strongest squad for three out of four of them. Yeah, the Southampton one might, you know, might might be disappointment, but um, I don't know. I just can't build my whole strategy around one game where one of my players might not start. You know, well, I, no, I think you're looking at it from only one direction, though, in terms of rotation. I think a lot of the concern is not rotation, but rather there's a lot of they play a high intensity 
form of football, you know, clubs, heavy metal football, so to speak. Right. Where does exhaustion come in or, or just not, not exhaustion, but, um, cause they're professionals, they can main, maintain a certain level, but where does it, the form start to dip a little bit because of so many, uh, intense high level matches. I mean, it didn't really happen last year until the very end. Right. So I don't know. I mean, if this, if this were game week 34 through eight and they were locked into a spot, I'd feel differently, but this is their year to win the league. And if I'm caught and they made the champions league final last year, like they've, they've done that. Yeah. They brought in guys like Shakiri, in my opinion, to, to, to play in games like the champions league. I I just don't know why he would prioritize that. Especially they're already up two points on man city, right? Man city had this kind of surprising drop of two points away to wolves. I mean, if I'm him, I'm putting everything into the league. Um, so yeah, I mean, I do think that there's a little concern there. I I'd actually more, I'm more concerned about Robertson. I mean, that, that is definitely an area of concern because I think, you know, he can't play all of these matches, right. Mm-hmm. Given, given how much he runs. Um, and so he's the one who, who is probably the most at risk of rotation, maybe of anybody in that squad. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Robertson is, would be a concern for me not to like freak everybody out. <laughs> uh yeah I, I i don't know about that assertion um frankly but uh you think alberto moreno's playing in uh playing in the the champions league matches Maybe. well listen i as i said i think you're over focusing on rotation here and uh i and under focusing on exhaustion or or something or like uh just like yeah, pile and, up and, and, and yeah. yeah, and if you want to go back to something you said earlier about the focus for Liverpool perhaps being on the league, yeah, Moreno or the Nathaniel Klein on on the right side of the pitch, they're going to see some minutes, but they're not probably not going to see minutes in key Premier League games, right? Um, so they're going to get they're going to break up the rotation in the League Cup matches and other matches that yeah. uh, are lower down the pecking order. So yeah, uh, don't yeah. don't freak everyone out. Well, it is interesting. I mean, you know, I don't want to sound like I would never drop Salah ever. You know, I know that I I was talking, I, I don't plan to drop Salah, but I mean, you know, the interesting thing right now, I mean, because I had money from the start of the season, I built up 0.5 million in value from him. It makes me, it makes me really like less likely, less inclined to want to drop him. You know, Salah hasn't, hasn't risen or fallen at all. You know, he's still 13 million. So there may be, maybe I'm coming around to the idea of you could, you could maybe make a move for Hazard. I, I won't be doing it, but I, I, I do understand the logic behind it. I guess I'm just willing to have, have a couple of matches where I, I, I just need to make sure I've got enough squad depth. Really. I guess that's the biggest thing is making sure I have players who are all going to start, you know, yeah. um, and make sure I really get my lineups right. Yeah. Well, I, I, okay. So I think there's really, there's not a yeah, lot that we right. need that we need necessarily to know about Liverpool. You don't really need to do anything with your assets. Um, the one thing I would recommend, like I was doubled up on Liverpool defense. Uh, I'm concerned about them continuing to keep clean sheets, uh, given the fi- the fixture pile up. Yeah, it doesn't entirely frighten me in terms of Liverpool being a great team, but are they going to keep consistently clean sheets? match ever after match after match so if i would recommend anything i would be just to to step away from the liverpool defense a bit yeah yeah i think 
Uh, I, I'd be doing the same if I had two and I was on a wild card. Uh, Man City, uh, you know, I feel like we don't need to spend too long in Liverpool and Man City because we just talk about them so much on the podcast already. Uh, one thing we know, uh, Benjamin Mendy is on the way to having one of the greatest seasons in FPL defender history. I think uh, that's not too strong of an assertion if he if he keeps it up. Um, I mean, he is he's just great. He's so fun to watch. Uh, he and Robertson, really. I mean, they're just like they're so ridiculously attacking and i mean many picked up another assist today in the in the france qualifier uh he only played one of those two matches by the way so i don't think he's at too much of a risk for rotation um although who knows i mean it's definitely going to happen to all those all those man city fullbacks at some point um the other thing i think the other thing that i think anyway about that about man city is that you really can't trust anyone in their midfield right now um, I'm intrigued by, you know, KDB just dropped to 9.7 million. It's um, incredible. It is. Yeah. So, I mean, at some point, you know, I mean, you got to give him a couple weeks when he's finally back. I think he's already kind of making some progress, right? I feel like I heard that he was maybe, if, if not ahead of schedule. He's walking on, again. Yeah. If, if he's not ahead of schedule, he's definitely on schedule. So, I mean, I think yeah. we'll see him by December. Uh, maybe he drops a little more just given how high his ownership was. Um, and he keeps, he keeps, you'd think that everyone would have already gotten rid of him, but he keeps dropping. So yeah, it must still keep happening. So yeah, if KDB gets into like 9.5 million, that's, that, that would be, you know, incredible value. Uh, but I mean, is there anyone in that midfield that you were even thinking about on your wild card? No, uh, I think it's Aguero and Ben Mendy. And those mm-hmm. are the two focal points for me. Midfield is troubling sterling sterling right. and david david silva would be the two i'd zero in on sterling of course right. the price is is really tricky particularly when we're talking about saudi Amane and his art as much as we are and right. david silva um you know he's always safer than everyone gives him credit for right. and he's just like a great pivotal attacking player for them so those are the two that i'd focus on yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Sterling. I guess we we're just talking about a, you know a Salah out strategy. I mean, Salah out for Sterling would be a, a pretty nice move. Um, you know, that pretty. It's almost like if I do a Salah out strategy, I don't want to put myself in a position where I bring in someone who's significantly cheaper than him, because I want to be able to bring him in quickly. And I know that if I drop down to like an eight point five, eight million, if I brought in like Paul Pogba or something like that, I freed up like five million. I would not hold on to yeah. that. You know, I would I would spend it all throughout my team. And then when it came time to bring Salah back in, I would have to probably make like two or three moves to do it. And it would just, you know, if I didn't want to burn points, it could take me weeks to do it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Sterling is tempting. But again, is he, you know, I mean, he's going to be rotated too, right? I mean, over the Champions League. So it's, you know, it, you, you just be trading one rotation risk for another. Yeah. Leon and Hoffenheim are their Champions League opponents. Just oh my god! Okay, so maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, Musa Dembele is at Leon now, so you know, you never know. All right, All right. let's move on to Manchester United. Manchester United. Uh, the fixture is Watford. Then they take on the Swiss team Young Boys in the Champions League, hmm. hosting Wolverhampton. Then Derby County in the League Cup, West Ham, uh, and then Valencia in the Champions League. And finally, in game week eight, it's Newcastle at home. So it looks like the big talking point coming out of the break for Manchester United is Romelu Lukaku, perhaps a differential premium striker. Uh, he scored against Scotland. He's he's looking to be in pretty decent form, uh, whatever that means for Lukaku. So if if Manchester United are going to be back and saving Jose's job and scoring goals again, 
Right. Lukaku is an interesting option. Um, the trouble is, our as as we were talking about on our wildcard episode last week, the formate your FPL formation seems to be gearing more toward three five two or a four four two, basically two strikers, and one of those strikers being Aguero. I I don't see how Lukaku fits in, and I don't see how you can really justify bringing Lukaku in over somebody that's more explosive like Aguero or even Aubameyang, even though we haven't seen anything from Aubameyang. I mean, how do yeah. you compare Lukaku to Aubameyang given what we've seen in the first four game weeks? I, I don't know. I don't want either one uh, really, you know, I just Lukaku, man. He's just like, he's, he's, I don't know. I mean, I guess I just haven't gotten over the incredible period of not scoring goals that he had last season. And it just makes me not trust him still. Uh, The price is fine. 11 million and their fixtures are very good. I mean, God wolves in Newcastle, you know, at home and in two of the next four Uh, Watford and West Ham. And those aren't scary fixtures either. The problem is, you know, that I don't really trust the midfield. I mean, I guess he, it was encouraging, (laughs) encouraging if you like man United, uh, encouraging to see uh, Lukaku and uh, Sanchez start to link up in that Burnley match. It was kind of what we always thought would happen. Yeah, um, I, I actually know, had a, ca- a cab ride where the cab driver was a Manchester United fan. He had some paraphernalia up on his dashboard. I asked him how he felt about Alexis Sanchez, and he said, I really like Alexis Sanchez when he's passing the ball. When he's passing the ball to Lukaku. I think he was keying right. in on that, <laughs> right. that goal they scored. And he's like, yeah. I do not like Alexis Sanchez when he's dribbling or trying to do anything else. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's more of what we already know about Alexis and how he's yeah. really having trouble fitting in there. Yeah, I mean, I guess you asked me about Lukaku to Bamiang a minute ago. It's it, the, the reality is I just don't really trust either one. Um, and $11 million is a lot to spend on a player you don't trust, right? So Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Lingard getting a little bit of love with people over the break. Uh, no, he's going to have to do, I think, something – some FPL attacking returns a before wet, it even ends. Night and Stoke, Brandon. <laughs> He's going to have to go down there, go down to the championship for one week, play yeah. Stoke, prove he can still do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the Claxon for Luke Shaw. He's had a head head injury against Spain, came off in the second half. So uh, gear up for uh, reading into Jose's press conference coming up. Is it a is it so bad that Shaw can't start? over the weekend or not, you need to be aware of that. So more information to come on Luke Shaw. Right, right. Especially, yeah, if it was a concussion, it could be out for a couple of weeks. So uh, Newcastle, uh, one thing we know, uh, honestly, not much, uh, given how bad the fixtures have been. Uh, I think my feeling about Newcastle is that they seem to have a lot of fight in them, right? I mean, wouldn't you? I feel like I've been impressed with how they've played uh, in a bunch of losing contests. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think they uh, Benitez instills a certain amount of pride in them. Right, and the, yeah, and the, yeah. the upside for Newcastle is it looks like uh, Matt Ritchie and John Joe Shelby are on course to maybe be back in game week five, which I think they've sorely lacked in the right. midfield. Yeah, it's it's a shame they didn't uh, that Kennedy Kennedy's pen was saved in game week two because that they really needed the three points in that game, and uh, as it is, they've got one point you know from from four and. And, you know, they're about to play Arsenal away and, and Man United away. And even that Leicester at home in, in game week uh, seven, I think that is, uh, is not is not great. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, and Crystal Palace away isn't a great fixture either. So it's, you know, really we're still kind of waiting for them to have a decent run. 
Um, I do like DeAndre Edlin as a 4.5 million uh, fullback. Uh, I just don't like him now. I like him as a as a game week, you know, 10 by or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, legendary meme over the break of DeAndre Yedlin playing against Brazil, asking the referee if, if referring to Neymar's dive, if the referee had watched the World Cup. He's like, hey, did you watch the World <laughs> Cup? You know what this guy does? Uh, he All was right. actually pretty good in that match, too. He's probably the best U.S. player. Yeah, still bags of potential for that guy. Um, Southampton fixtures coming up. It's home Brighton, away Liverpool, away Wolves, then home Chelsea, born with not great fixtures. So Ings... Um, definitely a rotational striker. I can see some of these fixtures where I wouldn't mind benching him. And of course, Liverpool, he is not able to play because he's still technically on loan and that's his, his parent club. Right. Right. Another one that stands out, it's Cedric Suarez, who, uh, he was on a lot of people's radar heading into game week one. Southampton didn't start so well. He dropped a 4.4. So Cedric still always like. I don't know, one one or two good, decent touches away from attacking <laughs> returns in every match. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I think he is interesting bench fodder at 4.4 if you can survive this uh, stretch of fixtures. And uh, uh, just a word of warning, I think, if you were looking for takeaways for Southampton through the first four game weeks, Hoylberg, uh, he, mm-hmm. he don't get sucked in. This guy has never assisted or scored a goal in the Premier League until against Crystal Palace and the <laughs> the dying embers of that yeah. game. So don't look I, at his record and get sucked in. <laughs> Stay away. Yeah, it's 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 just as a point of reference, he's ended the season. He started at 4.5 all of the last three seasons. He ended two seasons ago at 4.2 and last season at 4.3. And I think that tells you uh, just everything you need to know yeah, about his, his it sure appeal. does. It sure does. Uh, Spurs, Brandon, uh, one thing we know is that Karrion Trippier is quietly, at least in my opinion, quietly having an awesome FPL season. His ownership is about 25%, but I, th- I think it's a little higher than higher than it is among the sort of FPL playing, like the, the more serious FPL managers because he's English and, uh, you know, that always skews your numbers up a little bit. Uh, but, you know, 11 points, two game weeks in a row, uh, game weeks two and three is nothing to disregard. It looks like he's, he's on some free kicks now. Uh, probably will rotate a little bit because uh, Sergio Aria is a, is a talented player, and uh, you'd think. I mean, Pochettino always rotates his fullbacks, uh, but I mean, have you have you thought about him at all in your wild card? No, I I haven't. I think that Spurs' defense has been a little too dicey. I want at least the prospect of clean sheets uh, if I'm going to be paying that much, and I do think at least. Robertson and Alonzo and Mendy give you that that option. And if I'm if I'm sizing Trippier up against those more template fullbacks, uh, he's not quite there for me yet. And there, there's this sort of butterfly effect with Trippier. I think he, I, I agree he's having a really great start to the season, but then it's impacting the way Erickson is fitting in FPL wise into the Spurs lineup, and he has fewer set piece responsibilities. But somehow it's not. Um, freeing Erickson up to do anything more attacking wise. I'm, I'm, I'm a little perplexed with the Spurs attack and defense right now. Yeah. The whole, t- it's like Lucas Mora is the only player who's really, I, I guess, you know, Ali has had a pretty strong season is a pretty strong start of the season. Well, though he's, I, I have game week four in my head right now. I thought he was pretty poor in game week four. And so it's kind of skewing my, my feelings about him a little bit. 
Yeah. Well, what, okay. So Harry Kane, you, uh, you shared this on our Twitter feed and we both listened to the most recent stats bomb co- podcast in which they talked about how Harry Kane has taken fewer shots this season than ever before. Uh, his, his, uh, yeah, his attacking output looks to be in real danger. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what to think about him right now. I mean, it's you know, he won the golden boot this summer. I know a lot of those are penalties. You know, he's got two goals and an assist already in the first four game weeks. I mean, you know, for any other player, you know, scoring in every other match, I mean I know he had a yeah, yeah, scoring every other match. He scored in you know, game weeks two and three. Uh, would be would be a great return, but you know, the the, the bar is just so high for him and his price is so high that um, you know, he gets a lot of extra scrutiny and and uh, I guess you have to. It was twelve point five million, but um, yeah, honestly, I'm just not really thinking about him at all right now. And um, I, he just doesn't look the same in the. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a total eye test thing with him. I mean, actually, no, it's both. It's the eye test and the stats. I mean, because he's picked up a couple goals, maybe that actually makes him look better than he is. Or it makes him look like he's doing better than he is. Yeah. I mean, this Liverpool fixture is going to tell us quite a bit about Spurs. Now we're going to move on to Watford, but that, to see this typical Spurs like loss of metal or mental um, excellence against Watford. It's, it's the same old story with them. Uh, yeah. I, it's, it's too bad their stadium isn't open yet. You know, I, I don't know how much of that's like affecting them or behind the scenes, but affected the buys they made this summer. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, th- thank God for Lucas. I feel like he's really made a big difference for them. Yeah, he's on the bubble for my wild card right now. Um, yeah, two more yeah. two more squads, Brandon uh, Watford uh, fixtures, uh, kind of a kind of a mixed bag, I guess. Uh, great start of the season, though, obviously. Yeah, they uh, are at Old Trafford. Wait, no, they host Man United at the Vicarage uh, in game week five. Then it's Fulham, Arsenal, Bournemouth, Wolverhampton. So, um, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, this, yeah, I, I, I'm bullish on Watford, but I think that we'll know everything we need to know about Watford through game weeks eight or nine. Um, right, right. Little nervous about Holoboss's clean sheet potential. He's in my wild card squad right now. I'm just sort of drawn in by cheap uh, he is. How? Yeah, and and I grabbed that 4.8 price rise for him, and that was just kind of me feeling a little greedy. I think. <laughs> um, now I'm starting to think: right. Do I need Holoboss? I mean, right. Uh, is he really going to keep up that level of attacking output? We had the same conversation about Alonso and say, well, hey, it's a good start for Alonso. Even if he doesn't, it's still like it's a great um, it's a great foundation for a whole season. Yeah. Um, you don't have to start every game week either. No. Yeah, I, I definitely see Holobos as as a rotator. So then you, you look at the attacking assets that have come to the fore in game game weeks one through four. And it's Pereira. Pereira and Troy Deeney. Um, the one, the one guy that is under the radar for me right now is Will Hughes at five million. Maybe he's a guy that could um, save. He's not one that you want to buy and think that he's going to really do it for you week in week out. But he is the sort of player where he'll save your head to head or your overall rank one right. random week in which he gets a goal or an assist. So <laughs> yeah. I do at, at that price, if you're looking to plug a 5.0 hole with somebody who is going to be starting and can offer you something, yeah. Will Hughes is a, definitely an interesting Yeah, option. If you're playing like a 4-3-3, maybe as like a fourth like bench midfielder, he's not a bad option. 
you know, I, I think if I was playing that formation, I might like him in that in that spot. Uh, all right, final team, Brandon West Ham. Um, we have two more th- teams. Two more teams, Josh. Don't don't leave oh, Wolverhampton. God, I forgot about Wolves. Oh my God. Yeah. All right. Uh, West Ham. Uh, the one thing we know is that basically everyone is having a bad season almost across the board. Uh, as I was looking at uh, some stats, I, you know, or I was actually just looking at like you know just points, like who's who's scored goals and done well so far this season. Uh, there was basically no one. I mean, you have Arnatovic, who's been okay, uh, not great. You know, the uh, getting injured in the Arsenal match and getting subbed off early was uh, was a bummer, and it probably cost him some bonus points too. Um, but even he doesn't seem quite at his best. This team has integrated a lot of new players. They've got a new manager. Um, it is just kind of a mess right now, and the fixtures aren't really going to help them. Uh, they play away to Everton, which you know, maybe I actually kind of like Arnie in that game just because Everton um, don't really have any center backs. Uh, maybe Kurt Zuma. Uh, is Yuri Mina going to be ready? Maybe if he's ready, that makes them a little bit better. Um, but uh, and then they play Chelsea and Man United uh, in t- the two fixtures after that. Now, obviously, those aren't those aren't great fixtures. And they even even playing away to uh, to Brighton at the Amex in the match that you and I are going to. That's not a great fixture either, right? I mean, Brighton are pretty strong at the Amex, so. Um, I kind of feel like just stay away from this entire West Ham team. I, mean, I, I don't. Ar- Arnie is the one exception, but even him, I don't think I feel like you need right. Given that Chelsea made United back to back, yeah, it just looks so bad for West Ham right now. Uh, I mean, Felipe Anderson is is kind of exciting, but this is yeah, it's still a team that is exciting on paper, but are just terrible in reality. <laughs> All right, final team, I think, unless I'm forgetting. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is the final team. Wolverhampton, upcoming fixtures. They host Burnley in game week five. Then it's United, Southampton, Crystal Palace, and Watford. So, so decent. Wolverhampton, um, they uh, are offering us the best goalkeeper asset right now, Rui Patricio. He's emerging as as uh, the favorite rotational, or maybe just if you're looking to set a 4.5 goalkeeper. And this does take a certain amount of faith or bravery given that Wolverhampton haven't uh, posted too many clean sheets yet this season. Um, right. Let's see. Uh, they, they just have one clean sheet right. thus far. So, um, uh, but, but he's just looked that good. So I'm only looking at defense for Wolverhampton because the attack, they, they just haven't scored any goals. Uh, Jimenez, there's potential there, but uh, still a yeah. punt. He you did might score. Per- he scored for Mexico in the international break, for what it's worth. And it's worth a lot. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll add on to the Patricio thing. If you have not seen his performance away to West Ham, if, you, if you've only seen that he picked up, you know, three saves and a clean sheet or whatever, go and watch. His, just, just watch the highlights of that match. He is unbelievable in that game. Absolutely single-handedly kept West Ham from – from scoring at least maybe two goals in that match. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, I, I I watched that match and I was I feel like I was really uh, – I mean, I guess the the other side of that coin is if he had to make that many big saves, uh, is that a sign that maybe he doesn't get the protection he needs to keep enough clean sheets to justify having your squad? But, um, God, I mean, for saves alone, maybe he's worth having in your team. Well, you think about that uh, Arsenal-Manchester United game last season in which De Gea had uh, the ridiculous number of saves. I can't quite remember. And, um, you know, there are great keepers on on great defensive teams that do end up having games like that, and it's not – just a complete indictment of everyone in front of them. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll and I, I think like they have, like, you know, I think Johnny has looked pretty good too. He's only 4.4 4 million, uh, which is uh pretty, pretty cheap for a reliable, uh, reliable starter, you know? So um, I, I might look at him as well. I mean, their uh, fixtures are actually pretty good, right? I mean, Burnley and Southampton and two of the next three. So um, yeah, I, I'm sort of, I just like this team too. They're just a fun team to watch and a fun team to root for. And I, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm disappointed that my Diego Jota pick didn't work out, but, uh, uh, I, I do like this team a lot. I, I think that just like, I mean, fantasy aside, I think that, uh, Jean Moutinho has looked awesome, right. It's really, really helped that team out and just give yeah. them a lot of yeah. know, solidity through the middle. No, for sure. All right. So we have some bold predictions coming up from our listeners alone. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back and hear some of those. All right, Brandon, as promised, we have some bold predictions here. Uh, we're looking at these game weeks in a four-week block. Game weeks, I, I wanted bold predictions for, for game weeks five through eight. Uh, we're going to the UK for game week eight. We'll come back. Uh, it'll be the international break. We'll be looking for content. So if you have a great prediction here and it turns out to be accurate, we will praise you on that podcast. If it is a bad <laughs> prediction, we will make fun of you on that podcast. So uh, get ready, Brennan. We're just going to run through all of these predictions. All right. Starting now. All right. Eric Freeman says, bold prediction. All my wildcard plans will render themselves meaningless. Morton Kine says, I predict Hazard as the next must have and the most point scoring for the next four game weeks. When I say predict, I also mean pray to the almighty soccer god, a.k.a. Alan Shearer, that it will be so. Vinyl Richie's bold prediction, Lukaku as the top scorer for premium strikers in game weeks five through eight. Mike DiPietro, Patricio to finish the season as the top goalkeeper. Mike, we're going to have to uh, follow up on that one in 30 weeks, 34 weeks. <laughs> uh, Dave says Salah will be outscored by Morrison, Conte and Fraser. Wow. Bold, Dave. Harry Haslam says great outperform Madison. FPL Old Workshop prediction: Richarlison to not score again before Christmas. Those are fighting words, Brandon. FPL Unicorn Ozil to make a sprint in game week eight. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sidhan Batia's bold prediction: Luke Shaw to outperform Marcus Alonso like back-to-back double-digit points returns. Kind of outperform. All right. So watch out for that head injury there, Sidhan. Uh, Sirwin uh, Sajdowski says Lukaku to outscore Salah. You heard it here first. Little Jason, the early flirtation of everyone with superstar wingbacks will wane. Anawit, uh, I want it. I, I want it. Uh, Allison to get an assist. Oh God, I hope that happens. I will like. We'll like uh, name our award this year after him if if Allison actually gets the assist. <laughs> that Joe guy. Bold prediction, Kane to only score once in the next four game weeks. Is that bold? That's like borderline bold. Joe, you're on notice. <laughs> FPLTT says Mane to outperform Salah and the Holy Trinity, a.k.a. Robertson, Mendy, and Alonso, to be broken by Perea and Shaw. Yeah, we didn't talk about Perea in the Leicester section. We probably should have. Bold prediction from Telmondo. It's my buddy Terry from Glasgow. Hey, uh, hey, big man. Uh, Mane to beat this season Sala. Sala ownership to drop to 25% head explosion. FPL better optimist uh, Milivojevic and Gross to outperform Pedro, the player I hate, over the next three. <laughs> uh, Debendu, Merkaji, 
Kane to grab two hat tricks against Huddersfield and Cardiff. Oh my! Wow. Now is that twelve goals or is that one hat trick in each of the <laughs> yeah, matches? Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, FPL JK Lingard to become template again. Now I, I I don't know. Was Lingard ever template? That, that's my question for you, Brandon. There was a brief while last season where he yeah. was. So I, yeah. I think that's fair. Flirted with template. Suman H. Nakhtar, his prediction, Salah to get a hat-trick of hat-tricks now as he's out of my squad. So a bit of fear there. Yeah, a lot of uh, yeah, triple hat-tricks. Uh, Chirag Keswani, uh, Jimenez to start his scoring run. Absolutely. Everyone loves the Wolves. Let's see it happen. I'd like it. I'd like to get Jimenez in. And uh, uh, another bold prediction, Mark Perez, Diogo Jota to blow up in game week five. We'll, we'll see. Finally, Brandon, Baldy Weave has three predictions. One, solid to get a bonus point. Never going to happen. Two, dunk to score at the right end. Never going to happen. And three, for Lukaku to gracefully control the ball. That was just mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, game week five, Josh, what's the captain? Who's the captain going to be? I think that's what everyone wants to know, Salah or Aguero. I mean, come on. I mean, Man City at home to Fulham. Uh, It'd be crazy not to captain Aguero. That'd be the – I mean, we didn't – you know, I'm sure, you know, people will seriously consider the triple captain, and it'll be basically the same conversation that we had last week, right, which is Mm – Perfectly reasonable. I'm not going to do it. Uh, I'm sticking by that. Or is there any chance that you triple captain Aguero at home to follow him? No way. No, no, not yes. at all. Um, <laughs> Zero percent. We'll never. <laughs> Maybe because we're gutless. Maybe because we don't sure. have the courage. Listen, no. I, I feel like that's how it keeps getting framed. Like you don't have the guts to, <laughs> to captain someone in a single to triple captain someone in a single game. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. I mean, you know. I, I, it's like I feel like people cherry pick the times when a, double, when a triple captain doesn't work out in a double game week. I mean, you know, two seasons ago, I got 75 points from triple captain and a player in a double game week. So uh, it definitely works out a fair number of times. Yeah. All right. Shall we sign off here, Josh? Let's shine off, Brandon. Uh, you can become a patron, support the podcast, join our Slack, join our Knockout League, which we're launching after Game Week 8. Uh, we also have a Patreon Supporters League, and uh, we have T-shirts coming soon, Brandon. Uh, go to patreon.com slash alwayscheating to sign up. Uh, producer thank yous. It's uh, thank you to Mike DiPietro, Stephen Toomey, Sam Streak, Jacob Roberts, Nick Costello, Carl's Rasmus, Lean Granley, Chris Howell, Rafi Khan, Martin Savage, Rick Brailsford, Jim Payne, Adam Benjamin, Max Chamberlain, and Brian T. Don't forget to subscribe to Always Cheating. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Acast, TuneIn, PocketCast, wherever it is that you get your podcast. And if you'd be so kind, give us a five-star review on iTunes. It costs you nothing, and it helps us a great deal. Josh, people can also find us on Twitter, at Cheaters. Follow us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash always cheating. Email us with your lengthy missives at hailcheaters at gmail.com. And for all this information and more, just go to our website, alwayscheating.com. You got it. And uh, yeah, just one final thank you to Max Chamberlain and Brian T., our newest producer levels, uh, producer level supporters, and uh, Ole Christian Peterson, Sarah uh, Karat, uh, Emil Taylor, and Jim Farner, our newest and Bacani level patrons. Uh, much appreciated, guys. Great. All right. Good luck in game week five, everybody. And uh, good luck. You should set your European nation league bus team right now. That's, that's <laughs> Just in case. Yeah. Yeah. Be safe. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Good call. All right, Brandon. I'll see you in a week. All right. Poku forever.
Cheers. Bye. Hey, Brandon here. As we mentioned at the top of this episode, we recently spoke with Jeremiah Johnson, a Patreon member who finished last season with a world rank of 221. Even more interesting, after game week four of that same season, he had an overall rank of 1.6 million. Jeremiah is a really thoughtful guy, and it was great talking to him about his journey from top 2 million to top 200, or close to anyway, and it gives us all hope for this season. Here's a little snippet of that chat, and we'll be posting a longer version at patreon.com slash alwayscheating, where our Patreon members can access it. Uh, thanks to Jeremiah and Hail Cheaters. Uh, so, yeah, how long have you been playing FPL for? Uh, this is my fourth season. Um, I had some old friends from college, uh, Eric and Ryan, and they kind of talked me into it. And... Um, yeah, I think you first season. Them out? Do you want to shut them out on this podcast? Yeah, look at shout out. To he just did. Shout <laughs> That's true. I don't know to drop last <laughs> names or not, man. But yeah, um, sure. Yeah, Eric Kowalker and Ryan Charnock. They uh, kind of dragged me in the league. And first season, I was like at half million, and then second season, I was like fifty k, and then the two hundred twenty first. I didn't expect to. You know, and this is a half million fifty k. That's how much you guys were betting on each year. That was, <laughs> yeah. the, that, was that was the pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a really big mini league. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no, th- no, that's my. So, so did they? Did they really smart uh, when you finished two twenty one? So I just uh, mini leagues are funny things, right? Like uh, Josh and I, we play in a cash league where we throw fifty bucks in. I guess it was sixty five bucks this yeah. season. At the at the end of the season, though, everyone's forgotten about the money. It is strictly for the bragging rights or just for your own um, self respect uh, for some of the managers in our league. Do you guys uh, did did they think like oh why did we invite Jeremiah to the league or is there a big trophy that got handed off to you then Yeah, there's a there's a trophy that gets dished out every year with her name engraved on it. Um, they're pretty good sports about it. I think I was oh, wow. in first place for like two thirds of the season, and at the at the end of it, I was they knew I was like so far gone. They're just kind of hoping for me to finish the highest as possible. Um, but yeah, they totally take credit for my FPL success by inviting me in. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I do want to talk about you know being a West Coast because being being an East Coast Premier League fan is pretty is, it's pretty awful to begin with, right? There's like a lot of I'm getting up at seven thirty every you know every I mean I kind of dim anyways because I've got a young kid, but you know I, I'm glued to the TV from seven thirty to like ten every every, every weekend, you know. Um, and I, you know, honestly, yeah. I mean, getting up at four thirty that's gotta be brutal. But anyway, I, I want to ask about that later. So, um, let's get right into last season though. So, uh, as we mentioned a moment ago, 1.6 million after game week four. Um, I, I mean, obviously, you know, at that, at that point you're not thinking, all right, I'm going to make a couple of small changes and then I'll finish in the top 250. <laughs> right. And yeah, so, I mean, when did, what do you think, I mean, did you feel like it was around that time when you 
when you made a change? Like, I mean, I don't know how, you know, what kind of recall you have from last season, but was there a moment where you were like, all right, I need to change my philosophy. I need to change my strategy. Um, you know, yeah, you well, it was, I played my wild card, like I think in game week five or six. And I jumped up, not the following week because your wild card never works the week after you, you use it. But, um, no, no, that's no. a standard rule. Yeah. But after that, I think I jumped up into the, uh, like substantially, like almost a million spots. So, um, and then I was just on a good trajectory from there that I started getting down into the hundred Ks for a while. And then I then I had another good game week. And then I think like game week 11 and 12, I was under 10,000 overall rank for the rest of the season, just kind of floated around there. So when you play that first wild card, are you like, you know, there's like the big, the big talk in, I mean, we're already seeing it where, you know, four weeks into the season, people are already talking about how, you know, they can't bring in Mane or whatever, because they're, they're trying to make up ground, you know, and they can't have the same player that someone else. Th- like people are already thinking about differentials. Um, it's like a word that I almost hate to use at this point. Cause I think it's so overused, but like, were you, or were you thinking to yourself, I want a team that's different than other teams? Or were you thinking, I just want the best players or the players that I think are um, undervalued? I don't know. Like, what was your, do you remember what your thinking was yeah, at the time? I, I mean, I had, I remember I had Mane and he got injured. Then I went to Sala. Um, I like to have differentials, but not like too big, you know, like maybe like my fourth mid or, um, you know, have a third forward that, you know, plays, you know, every other game week or something. Uh, and he's kind of differential enough. Um, you know, I just hit Sterling and, and Sala last year. And then I made some good transfers and choices more so than bad ones, especially uh, I had to cover Dunk's own goals last season. Uh, <laughs> no yeah. small feat. No, no. Um, yeah, so... I think you just want to stay with the crowd um, and just minimize your differentials. I think is how I played it to just to start with. And then I think I, I try to think of chunks, you know, like five or six game weeks at a time and just uh, not, not rage transfer. Uh, uh-huh. you know, no one's going to score every single game week. Kind of just kind of wait it out. I have a question. I have a question for you, Jeremiah. About when you start to get up into that ten thousand area, uh, I think about this with uh, some of the managers who find themselves in this spot, and I think the guys uh, who are vying for number one overall rank, particularly at the end of the season, like basically their their life just crumbles around them, and it becomes completely focused on FPL. It just seems like a very stressful place to be because um once you're up in that ten thousand echelon the only place to go is really down and um it's such a long season how did was it scary (laughs) to be uh in that position um uh, when you're getting the higher and higher ranks and did you feel like the pressure started mounting or were you having more fun than you ever were yeah so there was a lot of uh there was a lot of pressure but um i didn't really feel it or like get to me uh most times i mean yeah like in the moment you're like crap i gotta maintain or else you know just having being on average game weeks i'm gonna you know keep falling and falling and falling um 
So how, like by the end of the season, how far ahead were you? Um, in your in your own mini league, was it like was that a concern at all, um, or were you no, like already pretty, pretty? I was pretty, pretty I, clear. Yeah, I was. I was pretty comfortably ahead. Um, you know, the last handful of game weeks. Um, yeah, I think I think I was like. I guess you were chasing the always cheating mini league, right? I mean, you were. You were <laughs> yeah, I was. Ch- I mean, I, I, listen. I mean, I, I take I take my rank in those leagues pretty no, seriously. No, that was that yeah, was one of my goals was to break into the technically to the win. top ten of the super league, and I I only did so the very last game week. Um, yeah, yeah, so because I I I think it helps to have somebody that you're. Yeah, Brandon mentioned my best season ever, and I. That year, I actually only—I think it was only game week thirty-seven that I actually got into first in that league. Um, there was someone who was doing almost, who was doing better than me, and ended up finishing, you know, I think around like twenty-five hundred or something like that. Um, and so that made it really easy for me. I wasn't—I didn't have as much pressure because I'll—I mean, I had pressure, but it was more like I want to make sure that I'm covering his moves and that I have some differentials myself. Um, and so. Uh, I think that is like I feel like if you're just chasing overall rank, like it's kind of hard to um, to know what kind of team you want, you know? Because how do yeah. you cover how do you well, cover you know thousands of managers? Let's use a, let's use an elaborate metaphor of which I am fond. So you're you like to do road races and obstacle courses and and that sort of thing, Jeremiah. Is it, it's like the same thing there, right? When you're when you're racing, if you see somebody in front of you, it sort of compels you to to keep pace with them. But if there's no one you can see in front of you, it's harder to control your pace. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Or, or if you're behind, you just want to give up and like, screw this. <laughs> no. Uh, no. So there are some guys, uh, in different mini leagues that were next to me, um, that, that I would, you know, I was tracking with for a few game weeks and then they jumped up and I was like, dang, I could, I, I could have been that high if I would have made some good moves. Like I brought in like Gomes for, um, from Watford last season for, you know, eight game weeks. That was a disaster. Um, <laughs> and so it's just Watford not, will do that to you. Yeah. It, we'll see, uh, if their balloon <laughs> pops here, uh, in the next few mm-hmm. games. It, it, that's what I'm afraid yeah. of. Yeah. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.